Deception in the Church, part six. The Gnostic Jesus. Now remember, when we look at anyone coming in to disrupt the teachings of the church, they're going to disrupt the teachings in four areas. And if you disrupt these four areas, basically I will just sever a relationship with you. And I will give you my justification on that when we deal with the subject on judging in a couple of weeks' time. But if you mess around with who Jesus is, if you mess around with the authority of the Word of God, if you mess around with the work of the cross, and if you mess around with godly behavior, then I'm going to have a problem with you. And so what we're going to look at today is people that begin, or one area of where they begin to mess around with, with who Jesus actually is. Now, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 15, we have an interesting verse of Scripture. It says this, Whatever has already been and what will be has been before, and God will call the past into account. At the introduction of this series, I, I shared with you and I said, out of the 27 books of the New Testament, 21 books have a direct reference against false teachers, false prophets, false apostles, false doctrines. Six books that don't mention anything specifically in that category. Out of those six, three of those books are directly written against one of these philosophies that were arising at the time to creep into the church, centering around the philosophy of Gnosticism. Now, last week I mentioned to you Gnosticism, and I gave you a very, very brief introduction to the topic of Gnosticism. And from there, I'm now going to extrapolate a teaching in Gnosticism. One teaching. And I'm going to show you the history of where that teaching has come from and what that teaching looks like today. And that teaching is you can be Jesus Christ. You can be a little God. Now, before we go into it, I would like us to turn, if you have your Bibles, or flick on if you have your iPads and iTunes and I or whatever, to 2 Peter chapter 2. I want you to really gain an understanding of 2 Peter chapter 2. I want you to take it home. I want you to really read, read about it at home. And then maybe even the, the verses I'm going to pick up in my introduction here, go through them and think about them during the week that lies ahead. Verse 1. But there, were also, but there were also false prophets among people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly, secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories that made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. For if God did not spare angels who they, who, when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, and now the, the writer goes on to talk about God's judgment coming on the unsaved, and God's judgment that is going to be reserved for those that are preaching, you can go and study it further later on. So I'm going to just skip to save a little bit of time. Verse 10, this is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the sinful flesh or nature and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, 
These men are not afraid to slander celestial beings, even the, even, uh, yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not bring slanderous accusations against such beings in the presence of the Lord. But these men blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like brute beasts, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed like the beasts they too will perish. They will be paid back for the harm they have done. The idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes reveling in their, past, in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. They have left the straight way and have wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of wickedness. I will give you a podcast where we will trace this, the, 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 this doctrine of Balaam all the way through to, from Balaam all the way through to today at a later stage in the series. Verse 16, but he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, a beast without speech, who spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These men and women are springs without water, mist driven by the storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for their, their mouth empty boastful words, and they appear into the lustful desires of the sinful nature. They entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. I want you to notice these words now. Really start getting them into your, in, into your understanding. Verse 19, they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for a man is a slave to whatever masters him. Verse 20, if they had escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it and overcome. They are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have, turned, turned, uh, than to have known it and then turned their backs on the sacred command that was passed to them. That to me is a frightening passage of scripture. A false teacher is someone the Bible says, there it is, you saw it, that knows the truth, that has known the truth, but has turned away from the truth. And the Bible says their condemnation is already written about them. So let's just look very quickly about one of the three methods that a false teacher uses to introduce you to heresy. Now there are three methods that they're gonna use, we're gonna talk about all three of them. The first method, they twist scripture. Just they, they give that scripture just a little bit of twist, and I'll show you that today. The second method, and we'll, this is the method we'll be dealing with today, is they will bring an error. They will bring a heresy, and they will place the heresy next to the truth. And then they'll just give it to you like that. And then the third method that these guys will use is they will take a truth, and they will pull it out of the truth and then they will expand that truth, and then that truth then becomes a lie. I'll be talking about that in a few weeks' time. But what we're gonna do, look at right now is how they come in and place error next to truth. Now, if you look at verse one to three of 2 Peter 2, you will see that there are false prophets among the people, and there are false teachers among you. <coughs> Why false prophets? Why false teachers used interchangeably here? I want you to think about this. If your teaching is wrong, your prophecies will be wrong. 
If your doctrine is wrong, your prophecies will be wrong. Doesn't matter. If your teaching is wrong, you get that. If my teaching is wrong, my prophecies are wrong. I have to get my understanding about what Jesus taught me accurate. Now, look at the red there on the slide. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Now, that word secretly introduce comes from the Greek word parasigeo. Look at the next slide. All right? That word parasigeo means to bring alongside the truth. So these people, they're not going to come and disrupt the truth you have. What they are going to do is they're going to bring or parasigeo to introduce secretly, to bring in privately, to bring in quietly next to it, and they're going to just place it next to it. Bing! And they're going to leave it there. Because sooner or later, that leaven is going to start to influence you. Not the truth. The truth will always remain. But that leaven will start to introduce you. And then this is the gateway teaching. This is a gateway teaching here. Because then what they're going to do then is they will introduce you to further heresies. Because the minute you begin to believe this heresy I'm going to teach you now, or any variation of this heresy that I'm going to teach you about now, they will then be able to come in and introduce to you various teachings that will impact the other three areas I told you about. They They will have to change the Word of God. They will have to fiddle around with the salvation of Jesus Christ. And then that automatically will begin to influence your lifestyle, your godly lifestyle. Why would they do this? Well, Peter is very clear. Now, it's very, very difficult to try and judge a person's motive. It's difficult to look into a person's heart. But you can look at what the Scripture says about these people. And you can also look at the fruit from what these people are doing. So in verse 3 of 2 Peter, they exploit. These people will come in and they will exploit. In verse 13, they're actually coming in to do harm. Now remember how many times in Corinthians I've shared the scripture with you, they will come in as a preacher of righteousness. Why? Because the devil comes in as an angel of light, and it's not a hard thing for coming in to do that, but the doctrine they bring in secretly is a doctrine that will harm somebody. And I will show you the danger of this doctrine and how much harm it's going to do to a lot of people. 2 Peter 14, 2 verse 14, they seduce the unstable. So if a person has not been discipled correctly and their doctrine of Jesus, what did Jesus say? What did Jesus want us to do? If that doctrine is shaky and that person has still got attachments here and attachments there, that is the person that's going to get taken out by this doctrine. In verse 15, they have left the straight way. Make no mistake Take off political correctness. Take off religious correctness. Get over the fact that you can judge teachings and judge these people for what they are teaching. You will realize that these people are actually not teaching you the things of the way. And then finally in verse 18, they appeal to the lusts of the flesh. They entice people that have just escaped. They put truth Next to error. This is how a false prophet works. This is how a false teacher works. He'll come in next to you and he will put truth just next to the error. 
I will guarantee you if a, norm, a Mormon knocks on your door, a Jehovah Witness knocks on your door, and you sit down and you have this ecumenical lovely discussion, 50% of what they say you will agree with. But the Mormon believes that Jesus is actually the brother, twin brother of Satan. And you come from some weird planet. And Adam is God. Yes. Really gets weird after that. So my question to you is, when do you draw the line? When do you come along and say, okay, from this line, you're not going to cross. I'm not going to cross this line. And my line is drawn over who is Jesus over the authority and authenticity of the word of God, over the salvation that the cross gives to me, and over godly behavior. <coughs> That's my line. Parisigeo, remember that. Parisigeo. Now what I'm going to do with you now is I'm going to take this teaching and I'm going to give you a timeline. I'm going to show you where it comes from and I'm going to show you what it looks like right now. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 14, we see the prophet Isaiah speaking about Lucifer. And this is the reference, this is the thought that got into Lucifer's mind before I believe. Now, this is my belief, all right? This is my belief. Before God even began the creation of the world, of the universe, there is Lucifer in heaven, and that was the thought that came across his mind. I will make myself like the Most High. Throughout each of these examples I'm going to give you, I want you to notice two things. A declaration is uttered and a response is given. All right? You are free to make whatever declaration you like, but God is free to give you the response that He's going to give you. And so that was the declaration. I will make myself like the Most High. Now, let's see what he said in verse 12 to verse 17. This is the response. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend, I will raise my throne, I will sit enthroned on the, uh, on the mount of the assembly, I will ascend onto the tops, I will make myself like the Most High. And there is this response. You have been brought down. To the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. That's God's response. Satan, the number one angel, said, I'm going to be like God. And God's response was that. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, there is the judgment of the sheep and the goat nations. And here's an interesting little verse in verse 41. It says this, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, again, I say this is my belief. This is my interpretation. Before even heaven and earth were created, the universe was created, before man was put on the earth, I believe that that hell, that eternity was prepared. That is my belief. It was prepared for Satan and his angels. And the reason it was prepared was because I believe Satan said, I will be like God. That was the response. In Ezekiel chapter 28, the prophet Ezekiel prophesies to the king of Tyre, but he also prophesies to the ruler of Tyre. And like Jewish writings, there's always the... the I believe there's always something else behind it. And so 
Ezekiel is prophesying, but he's prophesying to both the ruler, the physical king, and the king, he's prophesying to Satan. So this is what the Lord says to the king of Tyre in verse 11. This is the word of the Lord came to me, and he said, Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Now, the reason why I believe this is the spirit behind the king or the physical king is because there is a description from verse 13 onwards of Satan. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. And it goes on and on and on. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. And what was the wickedness? The wickedness was rooted in pride because he saw himself. He saw himself for who he was. And then he said, surely I must be like God. So what did Satan do? Satan looked into himself and then said to God, look at me, I must be like you. And then God said, I will make fire come out of you and it will consume you and I will reduce you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who are watching. All the nations who knew you are appalled at you. You have come to a horrible end and will be no more. Declaration, result. Let's move the timeline forward. God creates the heavens and the earth, creates the he- all, all the fishes. He creates man. He moves Adam from where he created him into the Garden of Eden. He creates Eve. And then Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 5, the serpent, more crafty than any other wild animal, comes to the, the, uh, uh, the Lord God made and comes to the woman and said, did God really say? What does he do? He challenges the word. What's one of my lines? The Word of God. Don't challenge the Word of God. It's the authority of God on this earth. There it is. He challenges the Word of God and he says, Did God really say you must not eat of the tree? The woman said to the serpent, we, yeah, 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 we can eat of the tree, this, that, the other. And then the Satan said to her, Notice the repeat. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. From that moment to when her and Adam ate the fruit, I don't know, I can't actually give you a specific pinpoint, but I know they did. Because from that moment when they ate, God came into the garden, found them hiding. And the result, all right, the result of that decision doomed humanity for eternity. So what happened to humanity through Adam and Eve? Iniquity came into the human race. Iniquity is a transgression of God's law. With iniquity came the consequences of that transgression, which is death. Satan said, you will surely not die. Well, death came in. So the first level of death was a spiritual separation from God. We became dead to God. We became dead in our trespasses and sins. The second death that affected us was physical death. So at a specific point in our life, our soul and our body will separate and our body will physically die. And at that point, we will then become eternally dead where our soul will be eternally separated from God and will join Satan in the lake of fire. 
Together with that, the law of sin and death came into the human race, and that effect, that result of that decision was so bad that it took God himself to come become a man and take away the sin and the consequences of that sin. Declaration, result. So as a result of that declaration, you sit here today having to deal with the cause of law, the law of sin and death in your life. We sit in a world that is cursed because of that declaration. I want to be like God. That was the declaration. Let's eat this fruit, then we will be like God. We will know good and evil. Let's move the timeline on a bit. And we come to the king of Tyre. Back to the story, Ezekiel 28, verses 1 to 19. And here we see that the word of the Lord comes to the ruler of Tyre. So the Lord spoke to the king. Now he's speaking to the ruler of Tyre. This is what the sovereign Lord said. In the pride of your heart, you say, I am a God. I will sit on the throne of a God in the heart of the seas. The heart of the seas. Remember, the Bible always speaks about seas as, a, as humanity. And God says to him, no, 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 no. You're a mortal. You're not a God, though you think you're as wise as God. Okay, so the king of Tyre, the rule of Tyre says, I am a God. What is the result? Verse 6 to 10. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Because you, are as, because you think you're wise, as wise as a God, I'm going to bring foreigners against you, the most ruthless of nations. They will draw their swords against your beauty and your wisdom and pierce your shining splendor. They will bring you down to the pit and you will die a violent death in the heart of the seas amongst humanity. Will you then say, I am a God in the presence of those who will kill you? I do not want to be at the tail end of the sarcasm of God. Because <laughs> if you're a God, you can't die. You will die the death of the uncircumcised at the hand of foreigners. I have spoken, declares the sovereign Lord. Okay. Before creation, Garden of Eden, Old Testament. Now we come to the New Testament. Now we come to the era that the Bible was written in. This is my personal thought process. This is me. Concerning Gnostic Christs, people in Gnosticism will look for inner knowledge, and when that inner knowledge is accessed and released, they then become Christs. And they teach other people you can become Christ, but what you're actually becoming is you're becoming an antichrist. So by denying that Jesus came in the flesh, the Gnostics had a Jesus of their own imagination. Okay? So instead of there being a unique Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus of the Gnostics becomes a personal Jesus. You, you can be Jesus. That's what the Gnostics say. And so anybody can be Jesus. Now in the time of the writing of the New Testament, there was a lot of other books that were written called apocryphical books. 
And they were, the, the, the word gospel was attached to them because the enemy obviously was trying to get them into the word of God. So you have books like the Gospel of the Egyptians, the Gospel of Truth, the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Philip, Gospel of Judith, the Gospel of Bartholomew, the Gospel according to Mary, the Gospel of Nicodemus, the Gospel, the questions of Bartholomew, and you get all those cool movies. What were we talking about, the movies? The Da Vinci Goad, I love those movies, and they all come out of these Gnostic Gospels, you know, and then everyone gets, ooh, ooh, and it gets all uptight. No, it's just, it's just Gnosticism, enjoy the story. <laughs> Don't brand me a heresy, please. I love my movies. Okay, now I want you to follow my line of thought now. I want you to follow this argument that I want to lay before you here. Gnosticism denies the humanity and divinity of Jesus Christ. So you've got Ebonites and you've got the Greek Gnostics, the Docetics. All right? And what they essentially are trying to do is they are trying to activate you to activate knowledge inside of you so that you can say that you are a god. In other words, from my perspective, you become an antichrist. My second point in the argument is that this line, this lie, came in when Satan was walking as Lucifer before the throne of God. He brought it into the human race in Genesis chapter 3. And it's been traced all the way through history all that time. And now, it's in the church. So what I want to do now is I want to look at some of the Gnostic writings. Okay? So we're going to look at some of these actual writings. It took me hours to trace them down on the internet to get the books and all of this kind of stuff, but I did. So the first book, oh, oh, by the way, if I give you an interpretation on a Gnostic writing, you can't actually say I'm wrong, because anything goes. <laughs> All right, so let's look at this one. This is the Gospel of Thomas, saying one. Now, in, in a few more sermons' time, I'm going to start giving you buzzwords. So here's your first buzzword. These are the first, these, these are words that you need to, when you hear these words being used, your, your alert levels need to dial up radically. The secret Words which the living Jesus spoke, which, and on which Didymus, the twin Judas, Thomas wrote. Secret words, secret knowledge, Gnosticism. Okay, the Bible, one of the most crucial things in the Bible is Matthew 16, 16, where Jesus says, who do people say I am? And then Peter comes to him and says, and, and Jesus says, well, Peter, who do you say I am? And, and Peter says, you are Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then this is what Jesus says. You didn't get that knowledge from yourself. God gave you that knowledge. Now notice that as opposed to saying 108. All right? Now, Gnosticism emphasizes secret knowledge and emphasizes experience. Experiential theology coming in the church, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And hidden knowledge, we're going to talk about that next week. So this is what he says. Whoever drinks from my mouth, this is what Jesus says according to Thomas. Whoever drinks from my mouth will become as I am. I myself shall be that person and the hidden things will be revealed to him. So what they're starting to do now is they are starting to draw you away from who Jesus is. They're starting to twist scripture and now they are starting to have an impact on salvation. Okay? 
They're starting to impact on salvation. I shall become that person and the hidden things will be revealed to him. Experiential hidden knowledge. Psalm uh, saying 70. If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. There it is. Okay? Another phrase, within you. Whenever you hear someone say to you, look within, just hiss at them. Just hiss at them. All right? It's very dangerous. Put your alert levels up. Salvation does not come from within you. Emmanuel, the incarnation, it comes from God, has nothing to do with you lest you boast. Here you want to boast in knowledge. Remember the three things that affect, all right? The three things, they twist, they put falsehood next to it, and then they extrapolate truth out of truth and promote it. So Gnostic writings, this is what they do. The common denominator in the Gnostic writings is that they reinterpret the Bible through a mystical lens, through the lens of I will be a God, therefore I will know good from evil. I will know it. I will have knowledge. Now let me give you an example. <coughs> Excuse me. For the sake of the podcast, I'm going to explain this. I've got on the, on the slide, I've got two columns. On the one column, I've got the saying of Thomas number three, and on the other column, I've got Luke 17, 20 to 21. Now, we're talking about the kingdom of God. So Thomas says, in saying three, Jesus says, if those who lead you say to you, see the kingdom, of, uh, the kingdom is in heaven, then the birds of heaven will go before you. If they say to you, it is in the sea, then the fish will go before you. But... The kingdom is within you, and it is outside of you. Now compare that to Luke 17, where the Pharisees were coming and asking God about the kingdom, when it's going to come. So now, what you've got to notice is that within that conversation Jesus is having, there is an eschatological uh, framework with which you've got to interpret it. In other words, it's an end-time prophetic word of Jesus. So Jesus is then saying the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, I'm not going to read to you the rest of that passage, but you go and read the rest of the passage from verse 22 to 30, and Jesus goes on to explain about his return. But if you go back and you read Thomas saying three, the twist comes there in the next words. When you know yourselves, then you will be known. And you will be known that you are the sons of the living God. But if you do not know yourselves, then you are in poverty and you are poverty. Okay? So if you know yourself, you will become a son of God. That sounds great, but that's wrong. Because your sonship is by adoption. It is not by knowledge. You can't be a son of God because you have an inner knowledge. You can only be son of God if the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and gives you the spirit of adoption. 
So read Romans chapter 8, verse 15. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sons so that you can cry, Abba, Father. Romans 8, 23, not only, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits among the spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Galatians 4, 5, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption to sonship. Ephesians 1, 5, the, the, he, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. There is a deep teaching I can give you on adoption. I cannot give it to you today. And there's a deep teaching following that on salvation, which we will get to eventually, and you can get it during the, um, the foundation course. It is by grace you have been saved, not through faith, uh, not, not through works, but the, so that you will not boast. Let's move on to the gospel of Philip. Philip chapter 10. Or Philip saying 10, not chapter 10. Light and darkness, life and death, right and left, are brothers of one another. They are inseparable in earthly people. Because of this, among them, the good are not good, the bad are not bad, their life is not life, and their death is not death. Now, I can give you a whole spiel on that, and you can't disagree with me because whatever I say, I'm, I'm okay with. It's what I feel from within. Ooh. I shouldn't mock. Anyway, so... One should begin with separating all these in oneself. Those who have detached themselves from the earthly become whole, become eternal. What is Gnosticism? Spirit is good, material is evil. I can interpret that however I want. But remember, for me to access the spiritual realms, if I, if I am agnostic, I have to gain knowledge and apply knowledge, mysticism, and formula to bypass the God that's stopping me from doing that so that I can become one. That's what it means. Gospel of Philip, number 44. It is not possible to perceive anything of the imperishable unless one becomes like it. Now, look at the underlined bit. In the world... Of the true life, everything happens not in the same way as among earthly people. They perceive the sun, although they are not the sun. They perceive the sky and the earth and the, all the objects not being them. Now, here, here it is. But in the world, you perceive something, you become it. Now, it's very important that you listen to this and the next saying, because when I introduce certain speakers then you will hear where it comes from. Thus you perceive the Holy Spirit, you become Him. You perceive a Christ and you become a Christ. You perceive the Father and you become the Father. In that world, you perceive everything, but you do not perceive yourself. But you perceive yourself as that one because you become the one whom you see. So according to agnostic, when you begin to step into the knowledge of agnostic and you start to look from within inside of yourself, whoever you want to be, you can become. So if you want to be a Jesus, have at it. If you think you're the Holy Ghost, have at it. That's what they believe. There it is. The next saying, Thomas 102, has been broken up, okay? It's not a full copy. So we don't know the full saying of this. 
But I really want you to burn that saying into your head now. Because that saying out of agnostic gospel is a saying that you will hear being preached in a so-called Christian church by a so-called Christian minister. A horse begets a horse, a human begets a human, being God begets God. All right? Camouflage, maybe a language or two adjustment, maybe a scripture thrown in that's misquoted, Psalm 82, John 10, and they'll package it and give it to you and give you agnostic teaching. Okay, now before I give you this video clip of these guys, I want to just say this. Here are Gnostics today, and this is what they say today. So I'm going to give you some quotes now of people that are unashamedly Gnostic. All right? In the divine principles and its applications by the Moonies, Jesus is no different from other men. Mystic masonry, it is far more important that men should strive to become Christ's than they should believe that Jesus was Christ. My Treya message, may this manifestation lead you to see each other as the gods you are. The course of miracles, Jesus became what all of you must be. Is he the Christ? Oh, yes, along with you. Now, notice, remember those words. Oh, yes, along with you. Then you've got the prophet, Elizabeth C. Prophet, and the lost teachings of Jesus, pure Gnosticism. So you become like your elder brother who was the anointed one, Jesus the Christ. If you are to ascend to the heart of God, you must do so first by ascending to the level of your Christ self. And then the Mormons, Adam is our father, God. Okay, so the Gnostics learn through direct revelation and experience through the Spirit. And the ultimate Gnostic revelation, the ultimate thing that a Gnostic wants you to learn is this. God is within you. You have a Christ inside of you individually. You are a Christ. You have the divine spark. You are a God class. And this all comes from the lie in Eden. You will be like God. Okay? Anything that says that is Gnostic. You will be like God? Gnostic. You are a little God, small g, Gnostic. You are part of a God class, Gnostic. You're a special creation because now you've accepted Jesus, Gnostic. False teaching. Error placed next to truth. Parisigneo. All right. In the 1950s, we had a guy which was, he was expelled from the Pentecostal movement called William Brandon. Many, many of the Word of Faith teachers gather their material from him. And here is a few of his sayings. I'm not going to read them. I'm just going to um, just breeze through it. But you can see there, uh, I'll just highlight a few of them. God said nothing impossible with you if you believe not with God but, your, but you, deities in man. This is, this is direct quotations from his sermons. This is what he actually preached. Um, and, 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 and you'll see where he preached it. I tried to get the year, but I couldn't get the year of the first one. In 1959, he preached this one in a Q&A session. He made him a theopathy, a theoph uh, what's that word? Theo theophany. What is a theophany? It's a, it's a God appearance. 
Okay, it's a visible manifestation of a God. So he is saying that in the beginning when God made man in his image, he made him a visible manifestation of God. That teaching, man was made to be a God, his dominion on earth, comes straight from Gnosticism. It's straight from mysticism. In the 18th century, you've got, um, what's her name, Helen Blavatsky and and Henry Oskolt in the, the Theosophical Society. They actually preached this type of teaching through spiritual ecstasy, through direct intuition, and through special individual revelations, but that was a theosophical society, and it was false. And all of this teaching comes from there. In 1963, we get Phineas Dake writes a Bible commentary on the Old and New Testament. Now, if, ever, if you've got a Dake Bible, drop kick it out. Because he preaches pure Gnosticism. He teaches pure Gnosticism. So he's written this Old and New Testament commentary, and most word of faith preachers and teachers will quote from Dake's Bible, Dake's interlinear Bible. Now, Dake taught that God the Father has a physical body similar to ours. He taught that God eats, wears clothes, heaven is a planet, and Adam and Eve flew back to the moon back and forth. I've literally heard Benny Hinn actually preach that Adam and Eve flew back and forth to heaven and earth. In, 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 in Dake's annotated reference of the Bible, New Testament, <coughs> this is what he writes. He says this, The Bible declares that God has a body, shape, image, likeness, bodily parts, a personal soul and spirit, and all other things that constitute a being of a person with a body, soul, and spirit. He goes on to say, Heaven itself is a material planet having cities, mansions, furniture, inhabitants, living conditions. That's Mormonism. That's Gnosticism. He he, he teaches Ebonite Gnosticism. He teaches that Jesus became the Christ at his baptism. Okay, I'm going to show you a clip now. The clip's going to run for about five minutes. It's got all your favorite teachers on it. I'm serious. I've attempted to actually trace the original sermons. And I can only do it with three of the clips. Now, please forgive the putting together of these clips. I couldn't find the originals to give to Ben to cut and paste for me. So I've, done, I've taken it off the, the, the internet and this guy's got some weird music on it, you know, like doo-doom and stuff like that. So just look past it, but I want you to listen to the language of these people. If any of you feel I'm unjustly identifying these preachers as false teachers, what I need you to do is you need to come to me and show me exactly where that sermon is. You need to give me that sermon because I'm not going to go on their website and pay for it because I've gone onto their websites to try and find it, but I can't find those sermons on their websites. And I will listen to it. If I'm wrong, I will publicly apologize. But as I'm researching this, I'm saying to you that these people that you're going to hear are people that are taking lies and bringing it next to truth. Paresigneo. Okay? And a person that does that is a false teacher and a false prophet. The people in the video that I can take right through to where they preached it, Paul Crouch, Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Meyer, and Benny Hinn. Crefield Dollar, when you hear him, I can't pick out where he preached all his sermons 
because he, he, he took about a year to take this doctrine around America and preach it. So here it is. Have a listen. Do you know what else that is settled then tonight? This hue and cry and controversy that has been spawned by the devil to try and bring dissension within the body of Christ that we're gods. I am a little God. Yes. Yes. I have his name. I'm one with him. I'm in covenant relation. Yeah. I am a little God. Critic, you are anything that he is. Yes. No. Listen to this exposition of Genesis 1, 26 and 27 from Creflo Dollar. Now, in verse 26 and verse 27, God now submits himself to this principle of everything producing after its own kind. And in verse 26 and 27, let's read it out loud. Ready? Read. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Now that's interesting because if everything produces after its own kind, we now see God producing man. And if God now produces man and everything produces after its own kind, if horses get together, they produce what? And if dogs get together, they produce what? If cats get together, they produce what? But if the Godhead gets together and say, let us make man, then what are they producing? They're producing gods. Now, I got to hit this thing real hard in the very beginning because I ain't got time to go through all this. But I'm going to say to you right now, you are gods, little g. You are gods because you came from God and you are gods. You're not just human. The only human part about you is this physical body that you live in. Well, a chicken can't have a dog. Uh, a billy goat can't have an elephant. Elephant half elephant. I have said, and God said, ye are God. He says, I call you God. You know, why do people have such a fit about God calling his creation, his creation, his man, not his whole creation, but his man, little gods? If he's God, what's he going to call them but the God kind? I mean, if you as a human being have a baby, you call it a human kind. If, if cattle has another cattle, they call it cattle kind. So, I mean, what's God supposed to call us? Doesn't the Bible say we're created in His image? You know who you are? Turn to Psalm 82. This is going to blow your mind real good. Psalm 82, 1. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. That's you. He judgeth among the what? Now, would you please listen to me? This is talking about you. He's telling the gods. Who are the gods? You are. 
See, I never heard that. Let me ask you this. Hello, you. Are you God's offspring? Then you're not human. So this God-like person inside of Benny Hinn right here has nothing to do with flesh and blood. He's a part of God. He's a little God walking in a, in a little body saying in Jesus' name. God came from heaven, became a man, made man into little gods, went back to heaven as a man. He faces the Father as a man. I face devils as the Son of God. Jesus said, go in my name, go in my stead. Don't say I have, say I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. Say after me, within me is a God-man. Say it again. Within me is a God-man. Now let's say it even better than that. Let's say I am a God-man. Because you are divine. We got to get you acquainted with your divinity. Here's where it's going to get big for some people. Get ready. Go, go ahead. Email me now in that place. Go ahead. You tap into who you really are. You know what the Bible calls you? It says you are a little Elohim. You are a little God. How many of you are children of God? Oh, see, no, listen, listen. Nobody has problems saying, I'm a child of God. Everybody has problems saying, I'm a little G. Oh, everybody has problems saying, listen, let, let, let's get down to it. Everybody got problems saying, I'm a God. Yeah. See, look at you, just had a problem. <gasps> but I didn't say it. He said it. When you say, I'm a Christian, you're saying, I am Mashiach in the Hebrew. I'm a little Messiah walking on earth, in other words. In their own words. Let me bring this to an end. This doctrine denies that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And it substitutes another person, you, into that position. And that makes you an antichrist. No matter how much they try and disguise it, no matter how much they try and use Psalm 82, John 10, no matter what they try and do with this and how they try and repackage this, when you accept it, you become an antichrist. And therefore you deny what 1 John 4, 1 to 3 says, where you test the spirits to see whether they are from God or not. You don't have to deny it directly. But in any shape or form, if you begin to take away from the divinity of Jesus or you take away from the humanity of Jesus, you will step into this false doctrine, which is pure Gnosticism, which is a doctrine of, of a demon, which has been plaguing mankind since Eden. I'm going to give you my personal view. This is my personal view in answering this question. What happens when you make a small or subtle change to who Jesus is? In my view, when you do that, you begin to preach another Christ. So if you're preaching another Christ and you get someone to accept another Christ and they accept another Christ through your teaching... They will accept the consequences of the promises of that other Christ as regards to their eternal future.
And they will take that teaching into the grave and into an eternal life of damnation in the lake of fire with the devil and his angels, with that doctrine of demons, and with that false teacher. You want to take my word for it? Take the Bible's word for it. Declaration, result. Lucifer said, I will be like God, result, eternal lake of fire. Adam and Eve said, I will be like God, result. God had to come himself and sort out the mess of mankind because we were all doomed to eternal fire. Do not claim divinity in any way, shape, or form for yourself. Do not preach this doctrine in any way, shape, form, or, 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 or way. Do not promote it. Do not take it to a friend. Because if you give this to your friend, you will become responsible for their blood as they walk into hellfire. And there is a place for this type of teacher where the Lord himself says, if you harm my little one, you will place a millstone around your neck and you will be cast into outer darkness. And I don't care how PC correct you want to get. I don't care how religiously correct you want to get. This is a false doctrine. And these are false teachers. Stay away from them. Truth. Next to error. Parisigneo. Beware of people who try and come to you and say to you, you can find truth within yourself. My friend, the only stuff you will find within yourself is deception. The only truth that you will find is out of the word of God itself. Being led and guided by the Holy Spirit into God's word. You are not God's but you are sons and daughters of the Most High God through His grace, through His mercy, through His love, because He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. And He sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of you and to give you the spirit of adoption so that you can call Him Father. But in no way, in no shape, and in no form are you co-equal or in any essence near or next to God. Reject that teaching in Jesus' name. I'm going to make a prayer now. And if you in any way have accepted salvation through one of these teachers and you want to just get it off you and you want to come to, to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to lead you in a prayer of confession, of repentance, of renouncing and receiving forgiveness. Let us just bow our heads in prayer. Eternal God and Heavenly Father, I come to, come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Father, I come to you in the name of your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, who I acknowledge was born of a virgin in Bethlehem. Lord, who, who, who died on the cross of Calvary and took upon himself my sin, 
my iniquity, and my dead works. And through his sacrifice on the cross, paid the full price of that sacrifice and set me free. And so today I accept your gift of salvation through your one and only son, Jesus. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me for believing in a false doctrine. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me for believing in these false teachers and for accepting that I am a little God. Lord, I, I, I repent of this and I ask you, Lord, by the blood of your Son to wash me clean and make my heart whiter than the snow. And Lord, I renounce all, any and all of this false Gnostic teaching that I have allowed into my life. I renounce it now in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. I put it away from me. I put it behind me. I neutralize every effect that it has had in my life, in my thinking, with regards to the salvation of my Savior, with regards to the Word of God, and regards to my behavior as a child of the Most High God. I renounce it right now in Jesus' name. And in the name of Jesus... I stand and receive my healing from you. Thank you, my Lord, for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you've had any of that teaching, my suggestion to you will be to download my book, which is free, on how to find a discipleship environment and go in and prayerfully go into these churches and use that template to find out if these churches are actually teaching the full gospel of Jesus Christ and not one of these false gospels. And you can find that book on www.life-house.net forward slash F-A-D-E dot PDF. Got it right. God bless. Next week, we'll talk about knowledge, Gnosticism. Mm -hmm.